0: Welcome back, Secret Squad. Oh my God, we're already in the last week of July. How did that happen? Well, today's episode is a big one. I'm talking about the secret to landing your dream job. Whether you're looking for a career change, a higher title, or simply just a new job, this episode is going to be packed full of ways to network, nail your interview, negotiate, and start living your dream. Today's guest is a complete expert on this topic. She started the only job site built exclusively for women and is dedicated to helping every woman build a meaningful career on their own terms. I'm talking about Lauren McGoodwin, the founder and CEO of Career Contessa. Thank you so much for dialing in with me, Lauren.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Oh, listen, I love getting together with women just like you who have so much to share. And today's topic is, I think, is just so timely. Everyone's at home and everyone has so much that they want to do from home. And you're just the one that can help all of these women out in the world. So welcome. I'm very, very excited to have you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to help people. I know it's a very challenging time right now, but more challenging when it comes to careers than probably any other time.
0: So tell me, what is the mission of Career Contessa? Tell me what it is, why you created it, and what is your mission?
1: Yeah, so Career Contessa is a one-stop shop slash resource for women to build successful and fulfilling careers on their terms. Uh, We help women with everything from figuring out what you want to do, job searching, and then growing... Within that career, we also have our own anonymous salary database. So, you know, if you need to figure out how to negotiate that salary, how much money you should be making, what's a fair wage, we help with pretty much every stage uh, of, of someone's career along the way. And while we are tailored for women, we're not anti men. Men definitely use the site. But, you know, I thought it was really important that as women entered the workforce at numbers that we you know, we had never seen before, Mm -hmm. it felt so weird to me that we didn't have a career site that spoke to our specific challenges and scenarios. So um, when I launched it in 2013, it was unique. Now I'm so thrilled that no one asked me, oh, a career site for women, why does that need to exist? You're like, thank thank goodness we've at least moved on from that.
0: (laughs) I love that because it's so important in every phase of every woman's life to have a source, a site like yours to turn to. And as you just said there, you have the answer for, I believe, every woman's question at every age, at every need. So talk about some of the questions that you do answer for women, for anyone who may have lost their job during this quarantine, this time.
1: Yeah, so I find that people kind of fall into two camps. If you've been laid off, furloughed, you maybe you lost your job or you quit because you thought the job market was so great right before all this happens, regardless you're job searching right now. People kind of fall into two camps. One camp is I need a job ASAP. I cannot afford life without a job. If you fall into that camp, there is no shame in saying, take the jobs that are in demand right now. Even if it's not your dream job, your dream company, don't worry about that. Um, When I graduated college, I graduated during a recession. There were very few jobs and I took a job as an administrative assistant. Wasn't my dream job, but rent doesn't pay itself. And just because you take the job that isn't your dream doesn't mean you won't be successful later on. So that's the first group. If you need a job right now, go where jobs are in demand. The companies that are hire, hiring right now are pretty loud about it because they know that they have kind of that quote unquote pick at the litter. Um, and if you fall into the other camp, which is you have a little bit longer runway, what I always recommend people start with when it comes to that job search is, pause and self-reflect let's use a couple weeks to really do an internal self-reflection what did you like at your last job what gave you energy maybe what zaps your energy what projects did you enjoy working on who did you enjoy working with you really want to take stock and i even recommend while you're doing this because as you know, these answers don't come to you in, in 30 seconds. You know, Give yourself time. Um, dedicate some time to thinking about it. But also, go on what I call a listening tour. Go interview people you worked with before and ask them what they saw as your strengths, what they think you're an expert in. And really, that collection of information is going to be extremely helpful for figuring out what you want to do next. Um, If you don't know what you want to do next, then it's hard to get to that next step. So this is why it's step one.
0: I love that you just said that because it reminds me of something I always hear Philip will say when he's talking about relationships. I'll hear him say, you know, do an autopsy on the last relationship. Go through it and decide what worked, what didn't work. If you have to sit down, if it's, you know, a friendly end to the relationship, sit down with that person and discuss what made it work and what made it not work. And I love that you say, go back and talk to your other employers and think about what was it I loved about that job? What was it that I didn't love? But also tell me what it was I did wrong and tell me (laughs) how I could have improved.
1: Exactly. Another great thing that people can do is is think about their strengths, right? So when you first identify what you liked and didn't like in your last job, that's kind of the puzzle piece number one. Mm-hmm. Puzzle piece number two is figuring out what it is that you want to do next. Um, there's a lot of research in that people who use their strengths at work and work using their strengths are more engaged, they're more fulfilled, and guess what? They're more successful at yeah. work. So it's awesome to also... Um, Take some strengths assessment. You know, there's that famous book, Strengths Finder. You can work with experts and you can really get to know who you are inside and out. But the other nice thing about um, tools like Strengths Finder, or now it's called Clifton Strengths, is that it gives you a language to talk about yourself that you're gonna wanna use in an interview when you're selling. Like, why should we hire you? Why are you the right person for the job? Um, and there's, you know, less jobs out there out there right now than people applying. So the person who's really confident and has a lot of clarity around who they are, what they want and what they're good at, they're going to stand out in an interview so much. Wow. So think
0: about that. Too. That is priceless information for anyone that is about to go on an interview. I love that you just said that. So say the name of the book you just mentioned. So everyone really knows and hears that and can and turn to that.
1: The book is called StrengthsFinder, and the website used to be called StrengthsFinder, but they rebranded. Now it's Clifton Strengths. So if you go to Clifton Strengths, or Google that, you'll find it too.
0: I love that. What about people looking for a career change? Do you think right now, during this time that we're going through, is a good opportunity right now to make that shift?
1: Yeah, I actually do, uh, because everybody is having to make a pivot whether you have to maybe go back to doing something that you're really good at that you don't always love, or you're saying, I've been doing this thing for 10 years. I hated it. And this is my opportunity to do something different. There's really never been a, a better time because the storyline, like, so the story you're going to tell to your future employer slash interviewer, they're going to say, okay, I was laid off because of coronavirus. It gave me an opportunity for the first time ever to self-reflect on what I wanted. Here's what I wanted. And here's how I filled in those skills gaps to make sure I'm the best fit for this. So you have such a good natural story to sell the pivot to the future employer right now
0: that's great advice. Can you speak to people then feeling like it's too late in their lives to make a career change?
1: Well, I know they're going to be like, I've heard this before. It's cheesy, but it's never too late to make a career change. And I would argue that um, there's actually one of the things you're going to want to do is just like kind of research the stereotypes that come with ageism and why people maybe go, oh, she's too old to learn. So, when you research it and you think about what the stereotypes are, you can start to address them from day one. So maybe um, you want to pivot uh, from, I don't know, maybe you worked in – finance and you want to work as a property manager, right? You love real estate. You want to work in property management. So when you do that first, you can, um, do a little research on like, okay, what are the things that people think about when it comes to ages? Oh, they're too old to understand technology. You know, can't, can't learn, uh, doesn't know the industry well enough. So how can you, um, kind of think couple steps ahead and address that before. You're probably going to want to do a little bit more networking. to so start networking with people who work in property management so they get to know you as a person, not you as a resume. I think that's also really important. And if you know that one of the fears they have, for example, is about technology, how can you uh, do something that's tech savvy? Maybe you create an online portfolio to show off your skill sets to show them, I know technology, I can do this. So I think that, uh, for people who think it's too late, the other thing I really love is go have informational interviews with people who have also made career changes later in life. Um, ask, Start asking your network if they know anybody, ask the people if they know anybody, and you will find people. And I always find that informational interviews are sometimes the best resource mm-hmm. to help you figure out what you wanted or how you're going to you know, create that strategy
0: for yourself. I love that you said that right now during this pandemic is not a bad time. It's actually a very good time to make that change in your life uh, for many reasons. And uh, one thing I I like, I love the thought of is because of this pandemic and because we're all quarantined at home, Zoom has become so popular. And I feel like also when you said networking, it's a brilliant reason and, and opportunity to do Zoom networking, And you could get together, you invite those that you want to either network with and and interview and ask questions, or you get together and discuss with others who also want to do the networking and you have all those extra minds working with you on ideas of who to call, who to network with. So this is a brilliant time, I believe, in everyone's lives to use the opportunities that we have now, such as Zoom, don't you believe?
1: Oh, I believe that, I agree with it 100%. I am living proof that you can use informational interviews or networking to find a job. When I was an admin assistant and I wanted to become a recruiter uh, and I didn't know, I didn't have any prior experience, this is a, a perfect example for the pivot, I reached out to over 70 recruiters on LinkedIn, and about 30 of them got back to me. So, you know, get ready. Some people are going to ignore you, but that's okay. You can just keep asking other people. I had informational interviews with 30 people. That gave me so much information. I was able to tailor my resume, my cover letter, so that when I applied for the job as a recruiter at Hulu, as the one person who had zero prior experience, I got the job because I had so much clarity and information about what the job entailed. And I was able to connect the dots between what I was doing as an admin assistant to how it could help that organization as a recruiter. So that is living proof that you can use networking and informational interviews to not only make your resume better, but to stand out in an interview process. So I think Zoom networking is amazing. And if you're not taking advantage of it right now, then you're really missing out.
0: I agree. I agree. I actually applied this same theory, this same type of thinking in my books I've written about my health. I'm a real believer in taking care of myself so I can take care of those I love. And so when I was, for example, entering the phase of menopause, I could not get enough information about my health. And I actually did the very thing you're talking about. I interviewed doctors and pharmacists and those who knew what I needed to know. So I think, yes, you cannot get enough information to prepare yourself for what it is for that next step in your life, whatever it is you're undertaking. So what advice do you have for people who are uncomfortable with networking?
1: <laughs> I would say you're going to have to get over that. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, start, start slow. I think what I love about informational interviews, too, and, and is that um, it's it's not as, when I think of networking and the idea of like the old ways of like walking into a room where you don't know anybody, you just have to walk up to someone in a cocktail party or whatever. It makes me cringe too. I hate that. Nobody I think loves being a stranger in a room. What's amazing about networking is that you can find the networking vertical that works for you. So we just talked about informational interviews. What's cool about that is it's one-on-one. You have some pre-prepared questions and it's very Q and A style. Um, the other thing that you can do in networking is you can ask someone if they are willing to have a 20 minute phone conversation so you can learn about uh, more about what it's like to work at that company. I, I think the true way to get over networking is to start slow or, mm-hmm. or start with some Somebody maybe who's a friend of a friend, like a warm connection, and then work your way up to cold connections. I also think that you have to remember that the goal of networking is to build a relationship. It's not to get a job. So take that pressure off of yourself. Um, And I would say the third thing that you can do in order to make networking a little less scary is to have your learning goal in mind before you start your networking conversation. So I get reached out to all the time for networking. I'm sure you do too. And one of the things I always tell people is make sure you do your research on who the person is beforehand. So you're asking questions that maybe you can't find online. They Mm -hmm. haven't answered a hundred times. Um, But also make sure you understand, okay, when I walk away from this conversation, what's the one thing I want to know from Lauren that would help me? Is it how to make my resume stand out? Is it how to, you know, get into that industry? Is it what is it, how did you make your pivot? And and I find if I write that down and I get that one goal, then it helps me be more comfortable throughout the rest of the conversation.
0: Oh, I love that. That's great information. You are brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant. Especially going in prepared, doing your research and going in and being prepared with questions that they're not asked every time because it is a little off putting when the very first question is such a common question that doing, if you haven't done your research, it shows. Yes. If you do your research, Then you don't ask those questions that then the person thinks, oh, no, I'm going to sit here and answer questions this person could have found out just by doing their research. You would not believe how many interviews I've done over the last 20 years when the first question is, do you really sit in every show? (laughs) (laughs) Or how did you and Dr. Phil meet? We've, We've been married in just a few weeks, 44 years. We've been together 40, almost 48 years. And I promise you, if you do just a little research, you will know right off. Yes, I s- have been to every show taping <laughs> <laughs> and how we met is everywhere So, or how long we've been married. So anyway, yes, you yep. it's it's just key to doing the research and finding out the questions from that person that you cannot find somewhere else.
1: So, I also really like when people will do research ahead of time. And then they blend that into the question. So they might say something like, you know, I was researching about you and I saw that you've been married for over 40 years. And then, and then, so you can almost show off that you've done research with a really good question. And when you're really impressive, people need to remember this. Not only does the person want to be connected to you, they want to help you. Mm -hmm. They might even want to hire you. So the more impressive you are in that informational interview, the better everything is going to be after that too.
0: That's exactly right. And, and also. Also, I think it's important to let them know, I don't want your job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to get yeah. your job. I promise you. Right. I'm so impressed with you and how you're doing your job. So sometimes I think it's important to let them know that I'm not calling so I can find out <laughs> yeah. how, to, how to get your job.
1: Yeah, exactly. Put their <laughs> mind at ease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So for, uh, what elements contribute to a resume that makes you stand out, do you think?
1: I have a lot of opinions about resumes oh, yeah. and the, <laughs> the first thing I will just mention is I was a recruiter at Hulu. I looked at hundreds, probably thousands of resumes. And one of the things you have to remember about recruiters is that we work for hiring managers. So when we're looking at a resume, we're thinking about what does that hiring manager want on their team? So um, we're almost like a middleman in a way, but also we need to make sure that whatever resumes we bring to the hiring manager, it looks good for us too. Mm -hmm. So I, um, my opinions about resumes is that you want to make it really easy and simple for me to find what I'm looking for quickly and concisely. So I encourage people to keep their resume to one max, two pages. Um, and part of that is I know there's going to be some people listening who are like, but I've been working for 30 years. How can I keep it to one page? Your resume should be a snapshot of the most relevant information to the job and company that you're applying for. And your LinkedIn profile can show your whole entire work history and experience. So think of these as complements. They're not uh, you know, separating each other. Um, because most recruiters, if they like your resume, they will go look at your LinkedIn as well. So I like one page for sure.
0: Great. That's great information. Uh, Besides that big one you just mentioned, what are some other common resume mistakes you've seen?
1: So I would say the next big mistake is you don't need to put a photo on your resume. We don't need that. And it also just kind of sends this like outdated old school message, Mm -hmm. Um, the formatting of your resume. I can't read size seven fonts, but if you put it in size sixteen, it also looks pretty sloppy. So what I really prefer is size, you know, probably ten or eleven. Um, I like Arial font. I find that easier to read. The Times New Roman, for whatever reason, uh, and you have to remember it's humans looking at humans, right? Like recruiters are humans. Even if we're using applicant tracking systems to scan, um, you know, at some point it's a human is reading it. Um, Speaking of applicant tracking systems, the next big mistake I see is that people don't tailor their resume for the specific job and company. And the big way to do that is to use keywords. The keywords are included in the job description. So my kind of quote unquote hack to make sure that you are putting the right keywords into your resume so that it gets past an applicant tracking system and so the recruiter finds what they're looking for right away is go find the job description for maybe five or six of the job title that you're looking for. So I'll give you an example. If I'm applying to become a recruiting coordinator at a tech company, go find five or six recruiting coordinator job descriptions at other companies, print them out, and then highlight the words that are used between the five job descriptions over and over and over again. Those words need to be put into your resume. So if it's, communication skills, project management, whatever it is, you'll see the commonalities. Those are your keywords. That's what we're looking for. So the job description is your key to how you tailor
0: your resume. Wow, that's wonderful. That is a great bit of advice. Oh, I could sit here all day. I'm not even looking (laughs) for a job and I want to write a resume and go find a job. Wow, okay, great. I'm just going to take a small break right now because I feel like it's time to celebrate because of all of this great information that we're hearing from you today. I do two things with every podcast, and one of them is called The Drink of the Day. Now, we're not together, so we're not going to get to, you know, clink glasses and and have a drink of the day. But all of my listeners apparently love to go to I've Got a Secret with Robin McGraw dot com and look at the photo, because I always have a photo of the finished drink of the day, and I have the recipe there. And so today I picked one that's called the happy hour. So I always like to have something that applies pretty much to our topic of this podcast. So it's named the happy hour. And this one is, it's got, uh, first you start with two ounces of tequila, two ounces of simple syrup, one ounce of lime juice, two ounces of fresh watermelon juice, has some club soda, one fresh lime wheel, one fresh watermelon wedge for garnish. So then you add the tequila, the simple syrup, lime juice, and watermelon juice into a shaker with ice. Shake vigorously for about 10 seconds. Pour the entire contents of the shaker into a glass of your choice and top with club soda. Garnish with a fresh lime wheel, and the watermelon wedge, and then enjoy. So, wow, that's not only refreshing, but I think that could uh, make for a very happy hour. (laughs) So, cheers to you. And uh, I don't have one here in front of me, so I'm not going to be having it. But I think if we were together, we might mix this up. (laughs) (laughs) I think this sounds like something that maybe if someone gets a new job, they should make it and celebrate. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Times two. (laughs) So
0: cheers to you virtually. (laughs) Yes, cheers. (laughs) For all the Secret Squad listeners out there, go to, as I said, I've got a secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you'll see that recipe and you'll see the beautiful photo of the finished drink, and maybe you'll enjoy it to celebrate a career change or a new job. So, okay, now let's shift to when you have the dream job. At what point in time is it appropriate to ask for a promotion or a raise, do you think?
1: Yeah, so the timing of this is really dependent on the company. That the timing, at like for example, right when COVID happened, probably not a good time to be asking for a raise and a promotion, right? So you want to take into account how long you've not just how long you've been there, but how long you've made or how big of an impact you've made. So if you've made this huge impact in three months. I'm okay with that. If you've made a huge impact over the last year, I'm also okay with that. So I try not to give any, anybody these like hard and fast rules, like after a year, I don't believe in that. I believe that raises and promotions are based on the impact and the contributions that you've made to the organization. So what I would say is, um, And a tip that I really like to do to help you with this is to keep a work journal, whether you are journaling daily or weekly, keeping track of your accomplishments and how you are making an impact at the company is going to really help you when it comes to asking for that raise later. Um, When I was a recruiter, obviously we negotiated salaries all the time. And as a manager, one of the things I hear from other managers that they hate is this whole, well, they think they deserve a promotion because they showed up every single day this Mm -hmm. year. So I think it's very important that when you think about negotiating for that raise and that promotion, that you are going to be able to sell them on, here's what I've accomplished, here's what I would like in order to continue doing the work here. So you almost want to deal with like, here's what I've done in the past, here's what I'm doing in the present, and here's what I want to do in the future. In order to hit that future, would you consider, and you ask for a very specific maybe job title or promotion and salary range in order to actually do that research on the salary range, which we could definitely talk about. um, But those should not be things where you just like blindly walk into your boss's office and go like, I'd really like a promotion and a raise. So I think people just need to take a step back and realize that there is no rule that says in a year in six months, it's, it's not really about that. It's about your contribution. And I would always ask people, what's your Why? What, why are you asking for a raise? Why are you asking for the promotion? And that's usually um, where people stop in their tracks and they're like, I don't know. I, I just kind of, I don't know. I've, I've been taking on more work or I've done this or I've done that. And we need to really know the why before we're asking.
0: So let me ask you this. Do you think that that's something that should be discussed when they're hired or not? Do you approach yeah. something like that? Of course, when they're hired, like, okay, so at what point would I be allowed to discuss a promotion or a raise, or is this an automatic?
1: That's a good question. Um, so most of the time uh, you might ask in an interview, well, tell me about, you know, the career growth and development, or um, I, I wouldn't say promotion. And it, it kind of would give the signal to the interviewer, like, oh my gosh, this person's going to come in and right away, they're going to be hounding me for a promotion. Right. What you might want to ask instead is like, what's the review process like this? What's the feedback process like on the team? How often should I be expecting feedback? Um, how will I know if I've done my job successfully? Um, those are, I think, get you the answer you're looking for without asking you know, the, the question that might put them off. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time that you are interviewing for a job, probably the recruiter is going to ask you in the very, very beginning, what are your salary expectations? That's for a few reasons. One, they wanna make sure that you guys are not so far apart that it doesn't make sense to even continue the conversation. Two, they're gonna ask, so you should be prepared. And if you say something like, I don't really know, it doesn't really matter to me, that's not the impression you want to give. You can give an answer of, you know, I'm really interested in, in continuing the conversations with you guys. And I, I, it's not just about the salary compensation packages are a lot of different things. I'd love to wait to see that um, before I give you an answer. That's a much more confident answer to maybe I don't know, then oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, there's no hard and fast rule ab- about this other than, rephrase your question so that they are looked at as you being someone who's learning, you're curious and less about, I'm really concerned about the money and the promotion because mm-hmm. that would naturally leave a bad taste in any mouth, probably.
0: Right. And also, do you think that it's important to uh, essentially read the room, get yes. to know your <laughs> boss and, and just yeah. see maybe the <laughs> boss is just so upset that they haven't taken the time to call you in and sit down, review your job and give you either a raise or a promotion. They've been distracted, they're busy and they realize, "Oh, I am so sorry you've worked here for so long and I haven't even taken the time to give you a raise or to give you a promotion." So sometimes it it can be just a that simple. Just read the yeah. room and realize it's it's not me it's my boss. My boss has been so busy. So I'm one of those that believe that when you're hired, it's a good thing to not ask, when will I get a raise? When will I get a promotion? But at what point, just as you said, is it discussed or can I expect for us to have the discussion?
1: Yeah. And I think that if you accept a job and you um let's say you're negotiating for a higher salary and they say look we're just not willing to pay that until you've come and work for us then it's very appropriate because you guys have art. it's literally again like you said reading the room it's in the conversation to say all right i'd love to say i'll start at this salary but in six months let's revisit my work and and negotiate uh and, and potentially renegotiate the salary the other thing i want to point out because you mentioned um you know, sometimes you can work and your boss just, like, completely forgets. Advocating for yourself, especially for women, is incredibly important. There is something I talked about in my book. It's called the Tiara Syndrome. And these researchers named it that because they found that more often with women than men um, that this happened, where women would work really hard, keep their heads down, and assume that their boss or somebody else would recognize the hard work they're doing and reward them. It doesn't happen like that. And so you don't want the tiara syndrome. Nobody's going to walk over and put a tiara on your head. You have to be keeping track of your own accomplishments and advocating for yourself. Nobody will be doing it for you. And if you're expecting them to, then yes, you will be always reacting to your career versus being proactive in your career.
0: I love that. You just mentioned your book. Tell the listeners, please, write now the name of your book.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my book is called Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot, and Build a Career of Purpose.
0: I love that. I love the title of your book. I love it. Uh, tell everyone where they can go to buy your book.
1: Yeah. So you can go to PowerMovesBook.com or you can go to Amazon or pretty much anywhere where books are sold. And a lot of the tips I've been giving on this podcast, they're uh, also in my book with uh, templates and, and tips and worksheets as well
0: congratulations. It is a phenomenal book.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, uh, I have a lot of appreciation for people who have written many books now that I've written one. I, uh, <laughs> it was very challenging. So I have a lot of respect for you.
0: <laughs> I have a lot of respect Love for you it. and this book. <laughs> I have to say to all my listeners, uh, I really encourage everyone who's listening today to go to these sites to go and purchase this book because you did your homework and they have, it's like the Bible for (laughs) changing your career, finding your career. It it, it just gives all of the answers. I'm I'm so impressed. And so it's your baby and you should be so proud. I'm really, I just really want to say again, congratulations on your book.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. It, 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 it does feel like my my baby book child. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: And hopefully it's not your last. It's your first, but not your last.
1: <laughs> yes, hopefully.
0: <laughs> so we, and all of the listeners can go to I've got a secret with Robin McGraw.com and we'll have all the information on our site as well as to where anyone can find you and your book. It's, it's a phenomenal book. Can you speak to the wage gap and how we can all work to overcome it?
1: Yeah, so if you're not familiar with the wage gap, um, it's that the average woman uh, makes about 20% less than the average white male. Um, And the average woman, I just should let you all know, is really a mathematical number that they came up with because um, there are wage gaps between different ethnicities of women. So um, on average, white women make about 82 cents to a man's dollar, whereas Asian women make about 91 cents. Um, Latina and and black women are at the lowest, about 50 and 60 cents to a dollar for a man. obviously, that we need education around this, but we also, um, it's important to also let people know that that wage gap where people hear on average 80 cents to a man's dollar, it's even worse if you're a black woman and a Latino woman. So um, with the wage gap, one of the ways that we can help combat it, and we've actually started seeing this a lot, is just talking about money. Um, You know, talking about money, especially in the workplace, was something that was seen as really tacky. You definitely weren't supposed to do it. Your employer might even tell you, you cannot share this information with anybody. First of all, it's illegal for them to ask you in, in a lot of states. So double check your own state. But it's illegal for a lot of um, companies to ask you how much money you made at your last job. So know that that in an interview, uh, you don't have to answer that and double check in your state that they probably shouldn't even be asking you that. Um, the other thing is your employer cannot tell you that you are not allowed to
0: share your salary information. That's also illegal. Wow. So This is great information.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things that were just like pure intimidation tactics that helps people not talk about money. Um, But the other thing in in regards to talking about money, so for example, on Career Contessa, we have an anonymous salary database, totally free. Once you get access to the salary project, you get to see thousands of people's salaries. You can start talking about salary with a tool like that if you're not comfortable. A lot of us were not comfortable talking about it on day one, but you can warm up to it also.
0: Wow. I was, that was my next question for you to talk about your database, The Salary Project. So uh, for all of the listeners, again, they can go to and tell them again how they can find your database, The Salary Project.
1: Yeah, so if you go to careercontessa.com, you'll see um, up on the tabs, uh, the salary project. And what you do is it's a free 10-question survey. So you fill that out, and we will send you a personalized salary report based on the information you give us. So we'll basically say, here's how you, your salary compares to others like you in the database. Um, then you fill out about five more questions, and you get access to all 60,000-plus salaries. And what's amazing is that we not only will tell you where people are located, their age, their industry, their job title, but we will also give you their ethnicity. So that's a question we ask people when they're in the survey so that you can make sure that, you know, you're comparing your salary or trying to find information that is actually comparing more apples to apples, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it, it, it matters, you know, someone in LA is probably going to be paid more for the same job as someone in, in, in Texas because of cost of living. So there's a lot of things that you have to take into account um, when you're looking at salaries and, 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 One of the other things I really recommend with people is after you've done something like that, which is anonymous, but also start talking to your coworkers and your friends and family about how much money they make, because talking about money and salary transparency is one of the best ways to make sure that you are being paid fairly for the same job as as someone else at work.
0: Love that. I love it. Do you have uh, mentors?
1: Yes. Yes. So I I have a lot of mentors, of people who um everybody from, you know, some of the career coaches that are on our site who just help give me advice when I need it yeah. to people who also are running their own businesses and as you know, running your own business is it's an up down up down uh roller coaster and so I find that my best mentors are sort of a mix of people from uh professionals, to entrepreneurs, to friends. Sometimes the person who is so far removed from your world can actually offer the most clear perspective on, on a problem too.
0: I totally agree. So, so tell me, how do you think someone can go about finding a mentor?
1: Yeah, so my Best advice for finding a mentor is like, do not treat this like it's a shopping excursion at Target where you're just going around the office and picking who you want. You know, you want to start by building and cultivating a natural relationship with someone. The way you do that is offer to help them, provide value for them you know, maybe take them out for coffee or a Zoom coffee and say, I just wanted to learn more about you and how you started your career. Um, Also, uh, peer mentoring. So don't feel like you always have to mentor up or down. You can also mentor across and find people who are, um, the people at the same stage as you in their career that you can talk to. Um, But I find that what I like to do is maybe start with like an informational interview or a coffee with someone. And if it goes well, stay in touch with them. Um, They will be the person that then you can call upon when you have a question. And that will naturally build on itself. And then I would say reverse mentoring also. So uh, people who are more senior in their career, definitely consider getting people who are at the beginning of their career because they can teach you things. And you'll also get insight into a generation that, you know, you you don't have – access to and vice versa. So I think right now, um, I mean, always, I think it's really important for people to be mentoring, but Mm -hmm. I think people go around mentoring as if it's like a formal process and it has to really be relationship-based and Mm -hmm. not some formal checking of the box.
0: Uh Sometimes I believe that if you really admire someone, you could admire everything about them, every way they've lived their life in business and personal life and and read about them, they could be a a mentor for you. But I think when you can actually sit with them or, as you said, on Zoom now, it's through a connection like that. That's a true mentor. Do you agree?
1: I completely agree. And I think, you know, having a mentor who's aspirational, those are amazing. But you also want to have the inspirational ones who you can call up or text and ask the question of, you Mm -hmm. know, the aspirational is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having role models, there's a lot of science behind the importance of that, Mm -hmm. but don't Don't think that you have to have one or the other. It's great Mm -hmm. to have both. I I agree with
0: you. I agree. What are your suggestions for staying productive and organized when working from home?
1: Yeah, so I um, am a huge fan of putting routines and rituals into place. Um, I find that that helps me just create a little bit more structure to my day. One of my favorite tips for working from home is to create a faux commute. Um, It doesn't need to be an hour long, but maybe like a 30-minute commute where maybe you walk for 30 minutes before you sit down at your desk, or maybe you listen to music and, you know, read the newspaper or something. So I really love the faux commute because I think it helps my brain separate from, we're going from home life to work life. with rituals, I'm a big fan of that is creating some sort of ritual at the end of the day to signify, okay, you're going from work to home now. Um, and then in my day in order to work productively, um, there's a lot of science behind getting dressed. You guys, I know you don't want to hear that, but (laughs) if you get dressed and you take a shower, I promise you'll feel better and you'll get more done. Um, and I would say, don't forget the lunch break. And then start with your to-do list remember to think about when you were in the office you would you know you might make your coffee first and you would sit down and what would you tackle right away and try to time block your day um there's this thing called attention residue that researchers found that your there's this residue that happens for your brain if you move from task to another task too quickly. So make sure that you're building in a little bit of like break time between each item. Otherwise that attention residue builds up and that's why at three o'clock you have no attention span for anything. So just because you're working from home doesn't mean that you don't need to literally time block and, and block out for breaks too. Wow,
0: that is such great information because as you were listing those items and those suggestions, I was trying to relate that to my day. And while I haven't done it just as you were saying, I mean, I'm probably 70% that way. But as you were listing them, I was thinking of how I could get to 100% and how much more improved my end of day would be. Yeah. You know, I would feel so much more organized i think people
1: feel more organized and i think there's a lot of research also about the restorative power of rituals so Mm -hmm. when you create a ritual around something again like ending your day starting your day whatever it is it restores you and when you have the energy and you feel like you've been restored guess what you're less likely to burn out and we know how many people suffer from burnout Mm -hmm. um so you know you just have to be really conscious of these habits and putting them into place and then one of the things i've learned about rituals is that They don't have to make sense. You know, it doesn't have to make sense that you light the candle when you leave your day. It just has to be something that you do all the time. And that is, that's the important part.
0: Yes. You know, because I'm a very high energy person. So before the pandemic, before the quarantine, I had a very, very uh, busy day. Just get up early and would go to the studio and boom, boom, boom. We were very busy there. And then I would get in my car and go to my office and just... It was a very busy day and I thrive on that kind of day. And then to do everything in one place was a big transition for me. And while I still enjoyed it, I thought, oh, I'm loving this. I love being at home. I found myself knowing, believing, feeling that I needed to kind of get back to doing some kind of rituals at home that kind of paralleled my day when I would leave the house and go do everything else. So I yeah. pretty much did got into a routine like that but when you just listed it as i was just saying i can see where i could have more of the start my day and end my day as far as focusing yeah. on work and home life so thank you well, for you're that
1: probably, you're probably uh, someone who gets energy from being around other people too yes. so this is a tough. This is a tough transition because Zoom is not the same as being in person. I, it's it's great, but it's just it, the energy. You don't get that as much. I
0: totally hear you. Yes, Anna. it's true because I get a lot of energy from being around people. But then when I'm at home, I'm such a. I, Philip and I both just are real homebodies, so I have the ability to just go from high energy around people to just really enjoying just that quiet, just the two of us at home. So, yeah, I needed that. I needed to kind of figure out a way to do both. Kind of was 70% there. So thank you for those suggestions. (laughs) All right. So now I want to tell you the second constant that I do on my podcast. I have always done, like I said, drink of the day. And now we always do a game of the day. So how do you like playing games? How do you feel about that?
1: recently i've been playing more of them (laughs) more yeah more in quarantine than probably ever before so (laughs) i would say now my answer is much different i'm i'm very pro games for sure
0: good tell me what what, what's one of the games you've started playing in quarantine
1: my husband and i are very competitive with scrabble oh Um, i love scrabble yeah yeah we've been playing a lot of scrabble we played stratego Uh, which he couldn't believe that I beat him at, which (laughs) I was like, that's insulting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but a lot of Scrabble, a lot of Stratego, um, and a lot of uh, two-person solitaire.
0: Oh, I love that. I love Scrabble. Philip, He'll play Scrabble with me, but it's not his favorite game because we're both very competitive, and Scrabble is just kind of like my game, but I beat him quite often.
1: Yeah, you have to have rules uh, decided and agreed upon ahead of time. Otherwise, it gets very combative. That's right.
0: (laughs) One thing he's really good about, he's a willing spirit. He'll let me suggest different words for him. He'll show me his letters (laughs) and I'll go, oh, maybe if you did this instead. So (laughs) we really have a lot of fun playing it. But I love Scrabble. We've really gotten into Yahtzee. Yes, Yahtzee's good too. Okay, so this game is called... You're in or you're out. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I'm going to read two comments at a time and we will both decide which one means the boss is happy with your work or is not happy with your work. So actually, I think if I just read one at a time, we can both comment and, and you're going to be probably better at this. If this sounds like a boss is pretty happy with how you're doing or or not happy. Okay. So the first one, I'm not leaving until you get your report done. And by the way, I'm starving. (laughs) Not happy. I think not happy. Especially me. If I said that to someone who was working for me, they were going to go, oh, she's hungry. She is not happy that she has to stick around. Exactly. I need to work faster. So I think if our listeners are, are aware, if your boss says that, mm, you're working too slow. <laughs>
1: yeah, they need you to speed it up quickly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, what if the boss just says, okay, I'm out of here. I'll see you tomorrow. I, think I would the, say happy. I think the boss is pretty happy with you. Yeah. There's I no need so. to worry that they're not going to stick around and wait for you to finish. Okay, next time, ask for help. Or now, this is an okay. This has two next time. Ask for help, or they say your presentation today was very informative. I think I would rather hear my boss say your presentation today was very informative.
1: Yeah, definitely. That one means you're
0: <laughs> in. Next yeah. time, ask yep. for help. I think you need to worry. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that means you definitely messed up and they would have helped you had you gotten to, or asked them about it ahead of time. Yeah,
0: you might yeah. be on your way out on that one. <laughs> okay, so your boss comes in and says, good morning, and just keeps walking. Or your boss says, hi, where's the report that's due? <laughs>
1: Well, the latter, you're definitely in trouble. Yes. <laughs> They've been waiting for a report that is not to
0: them yet. <laughs> exactly. I think I'd rather my boss just go, good morning, and keep walking.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're like, the less you say, the better, because, you know, it's uh, no news is good news kind of thing. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. Okay. So your boss says, checking in here, our when can I expect an update? So, mm, just checking in. I mean, in.
1: Check, I was going to say, checking in here could also be like a micromanager boss who's like hovering around. I almost feel like both of those could be not happy. <laughs>
0: I, I think so. What can I expect an update? Like, oh, I didn't know. Ooh, you, you wanted an update? I think both of those mean you need to get to know your boss a little better.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. What's their style? How do they like to be communicated with? I yeah.
0: Agree. Okay. So now this one two has two comments okay please figure it out or <laughs> let me know if you need help
1: uh please figure it out sounds like they're impatient they don't have time to help you you're asking too many questions try yeah. it on your own first and you
0: should know it already <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. or let me know so if you one- need help that's a good boss and you are you have nothing to worry about Exactly. Okay. So if your boss says, let me know if I'm not being clear or the boss says, you should be taking notes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, You should be taking notes is definitely the not happy boss. That
0: means you're on the way out because (laughs) you don't want your boss saying that to you. Let me know if I'm not being clear. I think that's a really nice boss. I want to work for that boss.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they want to make sure you have clarity before you go spend hours doing something. I think that's great. Yeah.
0: Okay, so this boss says, why do you suggest that or you aren't understanding? <laughs> Ooh, I think yeah. I want to work for the first one. Why do you suggest yeah.
1: that? Yeah, I would say I would want to work for the first one. The, the second one sounds like they're just irritated with yeah. you. <laughs> you aren't
0: understanding. I would be like, oh, I think the locks are going to be changed tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, so the next one, could you elaborate on your strategy or the boss says, I'll just do it? Ooh.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's kind of the kiss of death of like, you're not going to get asked for, to do the assignment again with yeah. the last one.
0: Yeah. If if my boss said, I'll just do it, it's like, oh, there goes my job.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, and then could you elaborate? It's like, they're really interested.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what they you want to hear.
0: I think we're telling a lot of the listeners like some things they don't really want to hear. Okay. Here's one. Hi, kindly following up or are you not getting my emails? I really, really want to hear hi, kindly following up. I think that's a really nice way to say, I just, I just need an answer. Because I would not want to hear, are you not getting my emails?
1: Yeah, if you're not getting my emails and they're sending it over email, you're in trouble.
0: You're in trouble. (laughs) Okay, the last one. (laughs) This is really bad. We're all heading out. Can you lock up? (laughs) Or let's all go celebrate. There's always tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Well, you would much rather be in the second group for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If your boss says, we're all heading out, can you lock up? Mm, that's that's a mean boss, actually. I was going to say, I, that says more about the boss than them. I think so. I think if a boss says that, you want to follow them out, lock up, and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get, get out and don't come back. <laughs> don't come back. So I think the good lesson for this game is, you can't always take it personal because it's not always your fault it's sometimes it is the boss
1: <laughs> yeah bosses are humans they're allowed to have bad days, bad moments as well, that's hopefully right. hopefully not more than the good ones though <laughs> that's right
0: that's right so don't always take it personal and bosses be nice
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that I always say this to him like you know you get trained on how to do a job, but very few people get leadership training or management training so you know just. Be a little empathetic to the fact that they are trying to figure out how to be a manager and nobody's giving them any direction at all. That's exactly
0: right. And I'm going to take this opportunity right now to to just do a shout out, I I guess I could say, to my staff, the, the precious group that works for me, Rosa, Kristen, Rachel, and Tulu. They are the best. They always call me like queen, best boss, that kind of thing, because I'll (laughs) I'll often say, oh, I'm a bad boss if for some reason they'll go, no, 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 no. So I have the sweetest group of people that work for me. And I just I love them all dearly. And thank you all. I miss all being with all of you in person. I miss you all. But even if we're that we're separated right now, they still just do their jobs so well. And I just have to say thank you.
1: (laughs) See, there's a good boss. I
0: love it. <laughs> so I wouldn't make anyone stay behind and lock up. All, I always say, let's <laughs> all go out and celebrate or have dinner. And there's always tomorrow. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love it. Oh.
0: Well, I have to say, you've been so informative and so much fun. And I have just loved every minute, every second of this. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Likewise, this was so much fun and I'm so happy to be able to provide some help.
0: It's just unfortunate that it's all the time we have today because I would be asking you probably a a hundred more questions for (laughs) our listeners and it's just been so helpful. I know that all of the listeners uh, have taken notes and they're going to listen to this over and over because you have helped so many during this time that everyone needs it. And so I just thank you so much again. Thank you. And so one more time, tell everyone how to get a hold of you to look for your social media, social handles and such. Tell everyone how to find you.
1: Yeah. So our website is careercontessa.com. And then we're at Career Contessa on pretty much every social media platform. Um, the book is powermovesbook.com. And then we also have a podcast called The Females and it's spelled F-E-M-A-I-L-S. So you can look us up wherever you get your podcast as well.
0: That's wonderful. So secret Squad, you all have the power to land your dream job and I hope this podcast helps you with that. Visit I've Got a Secret with com for more information about this episode as well as some fun new videos and blogs. See you next time. Bye-bye.